Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Good morning. That was like a, uh, we were singing this morning and, hey, we haven't sung this song in a while. Can we do that? So, uh, you know, we're doing a series on victory if you're new and, uh, the only reason that we have victory is because the Redeemer that we serve lives. And uh, so what an incredible song, but uh, thank you again for being here. I failed to mention that uh, amongst the competition of all of our ladies who are pregnant, um, one of them won. So uh, Jennifer Puckhaber uh, had her baby last night about 10.30 in the evening. And I'm going to butcher the name. Is it Laura Lee? Laura Lai. There we go. I told you I'd butcher it. Laura Lai. And I apologize. But uh, so Laura Lai was born last night. And if you would continue to pray for her, um, my understanding is there's some development things that are going on with her lungs. She's currently in the NICU. Um, and uh, so just continue to pray for her. Uh, Jennifer seems to be doing okay, but uh, continue to pray for the baby as she develops and all of those things. So uh, you can all let Jennifer know that she was victorious amongst all of those that were pregnant. Right now, if you are new, you're like, what are you talking about? We have, I think, five ladies that are pregnant right now, and uh, two of them were ready to go like this weekend, one of them still holding on, and then from there it's just, uh, I don't know when they all are due, but... uh, it's a never-ending process is what it seems to be. So, any rate, the Puckhabers had their baby, and so the nursery will be more full um, coming up shortly. But uh, uh, exciting times for them, for sure. It was, never mind. Um, I was going to continue to say, and I guess I already said it now, so it was a big, it was a big like, oops. Have you ever had one of those children? So, uh, that is their fifth. So, uh I make fun of all of those that have those problems, and there's going to come a time it's going to hit my home, and I'm going to be, like, really angry. But uh, at <laughs> any rate, any rate, any rate, no, congratulations to the Puckhabers. Uh, it's, it's amazing to think of the victory that we have in Christ. Uh, we started this series three weeks ago looking at the resurrection. Last week we looked at the victory because of God's acceptance. We looked at how uh, because we've been justified, we have peace with God. The peace that we have is, is really the greatest thing. It's not that we have just been given peace, like we, we have a, a peace of mind, we're kind of comfortable in this life. No, our standing before God was made correct, and so we have been given peace with God. That is our right standing before God. We, we talked about last week that we have a hope of our glorified body and that we would one day get to joy in or we would get to partake of the glory of God because of His acceptance, because of that justification. Um, we, we have that acceptance. We have that glorified body to look forward to. And because of those things we talked about last week, we looked at the end of that of being reconciled with God, that our debt has been paid. The sin debt that we carry as 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 human beings, was covered, it was paid, it was taken care of because of the cross, but not just because of the cross, because we have then placed our faith and trust in Him. We have, God's Word says in John, that we are born again. We have been given a new birth. 
And so we looked at all of those things last week. One of the things that we didn't spend a lot of time on in Romans chapter 5 was something that it makes reference to that we would glory in tribulation. If you were with us last week, I kind of joked about that. How many of us get really excited about the tribulations and the trials that we go through? Nobody really is like, yes, I can't wait for the next big trial. No, none of us really love them, but we, we said, we mentioned that God's word says that we would glory in them. Today, we're not going to spend the next 40 minutes being depressed about all of the tribulation that we have faced or that, that is coming up. But I do believe and I feel that the more we understand salvation as a whole, we will have a better understanding of how we can glory in the tribulation. Again, I'm not saying that there will not be any pain, that there is no hurt, that there is no tears, that those things don't come with that, because that's going to happen. That's part of how God wired us. He made us with emotions. So we're going to have the pain, we're going to have the hurt, but as we understand and, and the complexity and how God has put salvation together, that we are in Him, I believe as we grow in that, we can then begin to see that bigger picture and understand that we can Glory in that tribulation. Today we look at victory again through, through God's word. And today we're going to look at the purpose. We're going to look at our purpose. And as we begin to understand the purpose, how we can better understand then the process that God is taking us through, which really is what enables us to see the victory in Christ. All of this series is looking at that we would uh, that's going to walk us through that journey. But let me start with this this morning. I believe with everything in me that we have so many Christians, and I, I, I'm not where I need to be. I pray that I, I believe that I'm growing in my walk with God. I'm, I'm not where I desire to be ultimately. But as we look at the tribulation part of this, as we look at the journey that God is bringing us through, we're going to look at two things this morning. The purpose, that, that perp, why are we here? What is this Christian life about? And the path that God is taking us on. As we begin to grow and mature in our Christian life, we can better see and understand the entirety of what we are doing. So here's what I'm saying. I believe, and, and I believe a lot of this, I, I've, I'm I'm coming through some of this, if this makes sense. There's so many people that are on the milk of God's word in their relationship with God. The maturity is not setting in. Some of it may be, hey, I've been saved for six weeks. Some of it may be, I've been saved for six years, ten years, twenty years, however long it's been. But we're still sipping on milk. If we look at our Christian life in the realm of our physical bodies, God's word says that we need to go from the milk to the meat. That we need to grow through this process. And here's where I'm at this morning. And here's where we're going to look at the purpose. And a lot of this is looking at some of these tribulations. Because here's what we do when tribulations come. We say, God, why? God, why would you do this to me? Look at all of these things. This is, this is what I've done. I'll speak for me. These are all of the things that I've done for you. Why would you do this to me? God, I'm in church, I'm serving, I'm active, I'm this, I'm that, I don't watch this, I don't say that. These are all of the things that I do for you. Why would you allow any of this stuff to happen to me? Look how good I am. As we mature from here, 
milk, to hear the meat of God's word, that question of why begins to change. Does the hurt go away? No. When your loved one, when you lose a loved one, when circumstances happen, when trials come, I'm not telling you that just because you've been saved for 20 years and you're studying God's word and you're growing, that all of a sudden, hey, uh, cancer hits home and you're like, oh, that's cool, awesome, things are great. No. But as we are maturing in God and as we begin to see all of these steps of our lives with God, we begin to see the big picture of Christ, the big picture of salvation, and we begin to look at it through a different lens. We begin to see it differently. But here's where I was for so long. I was here on milk, and I would sing at church. I would do the things at church. I would act the part. I would, I would do, 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 right? God, why would you allow this to me? But here's where my problem was. I was still on milk because of this fact for me personally. I just believed with everything in me that my parents were really good and therefore they gave me their faith and therefore I would be really good. I lived on my parents' faith in God, not in my own faith in God. So there came a time for me in my life that it was like, whoa, I got smacked with the truck. I looked up and I'm like, whoa, this isn't about my mom and dad. This is about my growth in God. I had to see that for me personally. I'm just sharing my personal walk I don't know where you're at. But when I came to that place, it, my eyes began to open. So today as we look through victory, we're looking at this through God's word, through God's lens. We're going to look at the purpose. We're going to look at the path that God is taking us in. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 28. And as we look at this passage of scripture, on your notes section in the, the little page that you get today, it says, 29 or 28 through 39 we're not going to go through all of that because as I was putting all of this together I quickly realized there's not enough time so we're going to cut that back you can say thank you later but as we look at this we cannot go back into Rome we have to go back into Romans chapter 8 and we have to begin to dissect I'm just going to look back about 10 verses in those 10 verses prior to 28 it begins to talk about suffering it begins to talk about the things that we face, and it says this, that our suffering doesn't compare to the glory that is to come. Have you ever stopped to think about that? The things that we go through here don't even compare to the glory that we are one day going to have. Think about this. If you live to be 75 years old, which is somewhat of an average, right? That's what they all say. So if we live to have an average life, which is roughly 75 years old, when you put 75 years in our days, we go, man, if you live 100, you're, you've lived a long life. If you live 105, you've lived a really, we go on. In the scope of eternity, 75 years isn't even a speck of dust. But here's where we are. We live in that 75 years. So the tribulation, the trial, God's word says that, hey, the suffering doesn't even compare to glory because what God is doing is what? He is conforming us to his image while we are here. And so all of these things, we'll get to all that before I'm going to, yeah. So it tells us, what does it tell us? It tells us in this passage of scripture, it speaks of our vanity. You're like, I'm not vain. No, think about this. When things hit the fan and you go, why would God do this to me? 
We just said, God, I am so important. Why would you do this to me? It's vain. It's our vanity. And it says that we would one day be delivered from the corruption and into a glorious liberty. We talked about that last week. The hope of a glorious body. The, the glorious uh, partaking of God and all of those things. God's word is clear that the pain, that there is pain in our waiting to have that redemptive glorified body. That waiting brings us and draws us closer to the Lord. And here's the thing. This is my struggle as much as it is anybody's. I'm, maybe it's just me. I can't see all that God is doing. So I get really annoyed. You ever been there? God, why are you doing this? This is what I envision happening, but why am I seeing this? All the while, God's back here. He's maybe playing on his computer. He's typing away, and he's making sure all of these things happen, and we're up here going, ah, what's going on? And all the while, God is getting us here, but we can't see all that's taking place behind him. The scenes. And so I get frustrated because I can't see the pain. I can't see all that, what is taking place. But it's bringing us and it's drawing us closer to bring us to what He desires us to be. It draws us to the hope that we have in Him in eternity. However, the great joy, think about this, as we talked about briefly last week, what do we have with us? God has given us the Holy Spirit. God gave us comfort. He's given us the things that we need. He's given us all that. And not only do I get to, to, as the Holy Spirit, as I came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwelt me, and He lives within me, and He, he helps me understand the Scriptures. He helps me to, to live according to as he, would try to as he would have us to live. But not only that, think about this. Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven on the right hand of the Father. What is He doing? It says that He is interceding on my behalf. Think about that. Man, there is no greater joy than when somebody says, Pastor, I just want you to know I am praying for you. And I'm thinking, man, thank you that you thought of me and you interceded to God on my behalf. And that's humbling when somebody else is interceding on your behalf. But not only anybody, Jesus Christ is interceding on my behalf. And you know what he says even further than that? When I don't know what to say, he is saying it for me before I even know what I need. He is saying, God, hey, hey, Father, this is where Aaron's at and, and this is what's going on. And he's, he's going before me. And that's powerful. God is interceding on my behalf. That's what God, that's what he's done for us. And we're going, but God, why would you allow this stuff to happen to me while Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father praying and interceding on my behalf? And when all of this stuff is going on, he already was praying for it and he was already doing what we didn't know was going on because we can't see it. My prayer this morning is this. One that we get out of here on time. But no, my prayer this morning is this is that today would be a day that would be encouraging and challenging. But I really pray, and I'm, I'm really, I've been praying this week, that this would be something that, really this whole series, that we would take with us as we go and just chew on some of these thoughts throughout the week. That God has a purpose for you. 
God has a plan for you. God has a path, a process, a, a, he's, he's got us through this journey that we call life, that we, we face every day and we don't understand a lot of it. He's already prepared all of that for us. And as we look at this series of victory, you and I can live and have a victorious life in Christ. But I'll just speak for me. There was a lot of time that I lived a defeated life because I really didn't have any of the understanding of what this Christian life was. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I'm just going to read this one verse, one that most of you could probably quote along with me. It says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that, are, that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Father, I ask You, Lord, that You would use Your Word. God, I pray that You would move me out of the way. And God, that You would speak to the hearts of those that sit in front of me. Give them exactly what it is that they need this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to look at two thoughts, as I stated, that we're going to look at our purpose and our path. And to be conformed in His image, which the title of the sermon is conformed to His image. To be conformed to His image, we must understand the purpose. Now, let me restate that. Uh, You're going to be conformed to His image because that's what God is doing with us. So, but for us in our walk with God to better understand that purpose, it's going to kind of help us. So I'm not, I probably just made it more confusing, but... I stated this, to be conformed to His image, we must understand the purpose. If you were to stand before God, He's not going to be like, hey, uh, Aaron, tell me the purpose. And if you don't understand that, you're not going to, He's not, well, gone. So hopefully you get my, yeah, anyway. The purpose. To truly understand victory in the Christian life, or really understanding victory in anything that we do, it helps to understand and know the purpose. The purpose behind your job. The purpose behind you go to the, or why you would go to the gym. The purpose behind rearing children. The purpose behind whatever it is. The more that we understand the purpose, the more that we are engaged and the more that we really, because we can see the end game. Are we with me? So in the Christian life, it's really no different. I rear children. I have four children of my own. Mindy and I are doing our best to raise up our children. If I looked at all of my children, which does happen on a regular basis, and I said, listen, EJ, who is six, almost seven years old, if I said, EJ, you know what? Do you want to go to church today? And he's like, no, Dad. And I'm like, oh, cool. Why don't you stay home? Hey, Riley, do you want to do this today? And she's like, well... You know, I I would rather, for Riley, I would rather go to the ranch. She'd rather be on the horses. She would say, I would rather go do that. I'm like, you know what, Riley, that's a great idea. Why don't you go over there? And I would look at Madison. I would say, Madison, uh, hey, what do you want to do today? Do you realize that this happens all over? Well, I don't want to force my religion on my children. I'm going to let them decide when they're 18 years old. Lose. You lose. No, I am rearing my children, and God's Word says that we would rear them, and we would rear them according to God's Word. My job as a Christian parent is to bring up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. My job as a Christian parent is to disciple my children in my home. That's my number one priority. That's my job. 
if I don't understand my purpose as a parent, then guess what I don't do? Just that. Because why? I don't get what the, what's the end game. Well, I just want productive children. That's awesome. There's a lot of different things because your production and my production could be really different. And when we look at all of these things, just look at the home inside it. Look at the, the, Christian, the Christian homes in churches. More than 50% are divorced inside of our homes or in our churches. Do you know a lot of that? Because they don't understand the purpose as to what they're doing and where they're headed. And so when we look at all these things, the purpose, to truly understand the purpose, allows us the end game. So in our Christian life, it's no different. One of the things that has impacted my Christian life and my growth has been the realization and understanding that I wasn't just saved or given this gift of salvation so that I could go to heaven. Man, that's an awesome perk, perk of knowing Christ as Savior. But God did not save you and I so that we could just go to heaven one day. Some of you are like, whoa, what? No, but really, God didn't come down, die upon a cross so that we could just say, well, I know Jesus and I'm just going to go to heaven. There's a lot in there that is for us. Now, granted, heaven is amazing. That's going to be really cool. But here's what's awesome, is to know that along that journey of salvation, God has a purpose for me. And it's not just that one day I was saved, and 50 years later I will die and I get to go to heaven. No. One day I was saved, and then I continue to walk with God, and I continue to build this relationship with God, and all along this path, God is conforming me. He is molding me. He is making me. He is cutting things off. He is changing this. He is structuring this, so that when I get here, I am exactly the person that God desires for me to be. But there's a lot in between that. So as we look at this and we go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is that Adam was made in the image of God. Right? We know that. Adam was made in the image of God. I'm going to assume because of what I have seen and what I've read and that I have faith in God that the Bible is real. I'm going to assume the image of God means that God is in the image of a man. Maybe. I don't, we don't know what Jesus looks like. We don't know what God, we don't, we don't understand that. But I know that it's in the image of God. But it says, then it goes back and it says what? And the likeness of him. So we're looking at several different things. We're in the image of God, but we're in the likeness. God created you differently than he created anybody else or anything else. Can you go talk to a tree today? No. Did God create the tree? Yeah. Some of you love your animals. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. But you can't have a good conversation with one of your animals. I know I'm stepping on toes right now, but God created you different than he created your cat or your dog. I apologize for hurting feelings this morning. But the reality is, God created me different than he created an animal. 
So they can tell me that I evolved from something, but there is a difference between you and an animal. I was created with emotion. I was created with an intellect. I was created with a will. I was created with a personality. I was created with a soul that is eternal. I was created different than an animal. So when we look at this, God created us in His image and in His likeness to have all of those things. But then there was one reason why. That there would be communion and fellowship between Adam and God. Minus the intellect, Adam cannot have a conversation with God. Minus all of those things, that doesn't work. Because if we were all trees, created as a tree, they don't talk to each other. They can't. And I get that there's personalities within animals. But they don't have the same communication capabilities that we have. Yes, there's very intelligent animals, I get it but they're not you and I. God created us different. He created us to have a relationship with Him. God could have relationship with Adam. God created Adam to be in relationship with Him. However, we know the story. Adam did what? He sinned. Adam gave in to the temptation. He chose sin. He chose to rely on himself over relying on God. So Adam became self-serving. Adam became self-centered. Adam and Eve then had children of their own. So when Adam and Eve then had children of their own, what did they create? They created Seth. But what was Seth? Was Seth, in Seth? was Seth perfect the way that Adam was created? No. What was the problem? Sin. So, but did the, did the plan change? Was Adam still, or was Seth still created in the same image in the likeness of God? Yes. With what purpose in mind? Relationship. So Adam was created to have relationship with God. Adam chose himself over God. Adam and Eve did what God had told them to do, be fruitful and multiply. They did so. They now have Seth. Seth had sin. But yet the desire was still the same, that God would have relationship with Seth. But there was sin. So when we look at this, it says in Genesis 5.3, And Adam begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Adam brought forth the son, not in perfection as Adam was brought in, but with sin, ungodly, self-centered, and born dead in trespasses, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. So we look at this. We see our intention, the purpose that God created us. Then we see the problem within that, that there was the sin which separated all of those things. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this in 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So we have Adam who was, who was a living soul. He was a human being like you and I. And in his sin... There was a separation. So then God gave us Jesus who walked and talked in perfection. And what was Jesus brought down to do? Jesus was given so that he would bring us back to life, that he would give us life, that he would give us hope, that he would do all of the things that we could not do because of our sin. So now we have the same purpose, which was relationship, now there's the barrier, and so God gave us His Son, the second Adam, or Jesus, 
to be able to mold and to mend and to break that or to, to give us that relationship again. In verse 47 of chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians, it says, The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The purpose of mankind has not changed from the beginning. God created Adam to have relationship with him. He had perfect communion with God. In sin, that communion changed. It broke. However, the means of relating, and so with that, the means of relating with God changed for all of eternity. Sin had entered the heart of man. And there had to be reconciliation in order that communion could happen. Why? Because Jesus, God, there cannot be any sin. There can be no sin in God's kingdom. It's only perfection. So, God gives us Jesus. If we go back again, based on Old Testament and based on time, we would see that there was, there was, there was blood that was sacrificed all the way through that until Christ. But though we are born of the sinful Adam, which is our natural birth, it is God's desire that we would have a new birth or being born again through repentance. Romans 5.19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience which is from Adam, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall, met, shall many be made righteous. This morning our purpose is the same, that we would have relationship with the Father. The means, though, changed. It changed in that God gave us the second Adam that was perfect, that we would be born into Him through faith, thus being a partaker of the divine nature, it says in 2 Peter 1. And what is amazing is that God, in God's design, He uses you and He uses I and He uses the intellect, He uses the personality, He uses the emotion, He uses all of those things to show Himself to others. As we give in to God and as we allow God to come into our lives and we say, God, here I am. You've called me to yourself. You've drawn me to yourself through the Holy Spirit. Here I am. Use me. He uses all of the things that he created us to be used. What to do what? To show forth his son, to show forth the father. What, what is that? By you and me. Using how he designed us to be used. He designed Adam to be used the same way. That Adam would be in relationship to God, but all along, what are we all going to be doing? We're going to be pointing back to the Father. We're going to be giving honor to the Father. We're going to praise the Father. We're going to do all that back to God, which was the intention all along. The purpose, again, relationship. The purpose, relationship. We look at Romans 8 and 28, and you're like, you haven't even talked about that verse yet. We may not get through this sermon. We may do a part two next week. We'll see. We look at Romans 8, 28, and it says, Knowing that all things work together for good. As I mature in my relationship with God, I slowly begin to see more and more of these pieces around me shaping up. Because in my hurt, I'm recognizing I, I, in my relationship, again, going back, you've, you'll, maybe you should record this. We're recording it. Go back and listen see how many times I say relationship today. In my relationship with God, as I grow in Christ... Things happen to me, but I'm understanding that it's for the good of the, the end game. The end is relationship. I'll speak of my relationship to my wife. Do you, you guys all understand this? We've been married for 15? 15 years. 
15 years, July 20th will be 16. So we've been married for nearly 16 years. Do you know, just like I know, the greatest time that we drew closer to each other was during what? The hard time, the struggle. When we had to make a decision to move to Vegas, do you know what we did more than we had done prior to? We prayed a lot together. God, I don't know what we're going to do. How are we going to move 20 hours away from home? For Mindy, it was her parents, it was her her siblings, everybody was there. God, how is that going to work? And so we prayed together. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we began to draw closer to God. We came out to Vegas and I, I, I... it was time to leave my job, and, and I came to a place, and I'm like, God, what are we going to do? We became through financial struggles. Things were tight. Nothing was working out the way that we had envisioned it to work out. We drew closer. Why? Because everything was perfect? No, because in the rough struggle of everything taking place in and in amongst our lives, we had to work together. We had to get to know each other, and by getting to know each other, we were doing that How? God, I don't know what's going on. How can you? We were drawing closer to God, and as we were drawing closer to God, we drew closer to each other. In the midst of the same thing, there's things that we face, and God, it says that He's working all things to the good to those that are called. And as we look at all of those things, as my relationship with God is growing and growing and growing and growing, and I'm doing the best that I can, and my. my finite uh, mind and, and everything here on this earth, and I'm striving to know Christ better. The more that I get to know God, the more that when those moments come, and I I believe with everything in me, I could have people stand up all over this room and give testimony to just this exact thing. As those struggles have come in many of your lives, you felt the hand of God literally almost pick you up and say, hey, I've got you. And you may have said, this is the hardest time of my life. And maybe at night you sit down and you cry yourself to sleep. And maybe all of those things are taking place in your life. The emotion didn't stop. Nothing changed. But your relationship with God and God just said, hey, come on. I'm going to carry you one day at a time. And it may not even be one day at a time. For some of you, you're like, no, it was literally minute by minute as I just just allowed God to carry me through. And how I went to work this week, I have no idea. But I truly believe that God literally just swept me up and he carried me day by day by day. And it was in those hardest of times that you can stand back today and you can say, no, it was. I didn't like it. I still don't like it. But I understood that it was my relationship with God that carried me through it. Because you had an understanding of the purpose of who you are and what you are in Christ. Do you know when we, we lose heart and we lose that hope? Because those hard times come and we look and we go, but God, why would you? How could you ever? Do you see what I do? I'm at church, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and God, how could you? And all along, God is just saying one thing, God, I just want to know you. I want to know you, and in knowing you, I'm conforming you to just the exact purpose and reason that you are here. Because next month, next year, you're going to walk into that person at work who's just lost mom who's just lost dad, and you're going to say, hey, 
I just faced that exact same thing. Can I help you? Why? Because you've allowed God to conform you. And you didn't understand it. But in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the tribulation, God was doing something in you as you allowed Him and as you understand the purpose of why those things are taking place. Let me share this thought with you. God has a natural law and force to the effect that we are conformed to that upon which we center our interest and love. If we are attracted to this present evil world, we become increasingly worldly. If we pamper and live for self, we become more and more self-centered. But when we look unto Jesus, we become more and more like Him. And as we do so, we mature. As we mature, we look at the things that might be bad and we can say, but these are all of these things are working together for the good. Why? Because I have placed my faith and I have trusted in Him that His sovereign will for my life is the greatest thing that is for my life does not mean that it doesn't hurt but when I understand the purpose we can use sports analogies we can use all kinds of things when I go to the gym and I leave the gym and all of my body aches and I understand the purpose why are I, why am I there I don't know <laughs> No, but we go to the gym for a reason. There's something within you, whether you're trying to lose weight or it's a way that you, it's a release, it's an enjoyment, whatever it is, but you feel that pain and you're like, oh, I love it. Because you know what the end game was. Every time I would leave working out when I was playing baseball, every time I would leave and I was in pain, I was okay with it because I was trying to be the best baseball player that I could be. But in my Christian life, every time the pain comes, I always say, but God, why? Because I don't understand the purpose of trying to be exactly what God has designed for me to be. The last thought this morning. To be conformed to His image, we must understand the path. Work together. We just finished out that quote, and inside of that quote, it made the statement, if we are attracted to this present evil world, we become increasingly worldly. If we pamper and live for self, we become more and more self-centered. But when we look unto Jesus, we become more and more like Him. Working for God, as we are working together for good, as we look at that thought, and as we look at all those things, the desire of God is for us that we would be in relationship with Him. And Colossians 3, 4 says this way, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, here is my problem. My problem is, Christ is only some of my life. That's your pastor's problem. Because I've said this a million times, if we take the wheel, there's a center hub, whatever that's called, and then there's spokes all the way around the wheel. If Jesus Christ, if God is not the center, everything else becomes off balance. But what I do, <laughs> God becomes one of the spokes. And he may be a bigger spoke than the other spokes, but God is one of the spokes. And therefore, things begin out of balance. In my path, the process, the journey that God has taken me on, 
Our lives are to be centered on Christ. He is to be our life, not a part of our life. When I see that God is at work and He's working all of the things for good and I know and I understand what the purpose is, that God, that the good isn't for me. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. The good that God is working is not for you, just for you right now. Have you ever stopped and think about that? That God is working all things to good, but it may not be for the benefit of you at 1142, whatever it is, 2018. Why? Because he's conforming me to who he needs me to be here. And the only thing that I can see is right now. God is conforming us to who he desires to be. And what he is conforming us to be may not be what I love to see today. And here's the thing. When I begin to understand the purpose that is relationship along the path, along the journey that God is taking me, it is when I begin to see that. And here's here's the ultimate goal would be this. Obviously, it's relationship with God. But here would be how awesome would this be? Job said it this way. Though he slay me, yet... Will I trust him? Hey, let me ask you this question. Can you in all honesty say, God, right now, I hate my circumstance, but though you slay me, yet will I trust you? Man, that's hard. (laughs) I don't know. There's times in my life, if I were to just be honest, I'd say absolutely not. But Job walked and talked, and Job had a relationship with God, and there was something that God was doing in his life, and he began to see, and he said, God, though you slay me, I will trust in you. The path or the preparation of our life in Christ isn't easy, but it's not done alone either. The journey, the path, the the, the life that we are living is one that has its bumps, it has its trials, it has its hardships, but God's word says we are to glory in those things, that we are to embrace them. This morning, I'm going to ask you this question. It's this. Would you grow in any aspect of your life if you did not have a need? Would I grow in any aspect of my life if I did not have a need? Let me ask you this. That's at home. That's at work. That's personally. That's in anything. Everything that we see, everything that we touch, everything that we put on, everything that we have in our world came out of somebody going, hey, I need that. What was the first thing Adam and Eve did after they sinned? And God said, hey, where are you? What did they do? They hid. And then what did they do? They found some leaves and they covered themselves. Why did that happen? One, they seen their nakedness and they saw because their eyes were of sin. But they found a need. (laughs) Oh, I got to cover this up. There was a need. You have a computer. Why? Because somebody, however long ago, developed it. Today, nearly everything that we see, everything that happens, comes off of a computer. You have eyeglasses. Why? Because somebody recognized 
that in order for me to see correctly, I have bad vision, but I could do this medically and I can make it able to be seen. There was a need. There's always a need in our, our lives when we look at this, when we understand the need. In our Christian life, think about it this way. It's really no different. We have circumstances that cause us to recognize a need. Five years ago in my personal life, I recognized a true major need in my life in God differently than I ever had. Because of this church. I was good to lead music. Leading music was, I don't want to say easy, but leading music was easier for me. Standing before people and singing a song five years ago was much easier to me. But when all of a sudden the call on my life was, would you be the pastor? Would you lead the church? Man, my need increased. So guess what that happened? Guess what happened for me? Man, I spent a whole, I've spent more time in the last five years in God's word than I ever had before that. Why? Because I recognized the need. In the midst of my trial, which really at that time it was a major tribulation period for me. It was a need that was brought right before my face. And it was, Aaron, you don't know what you need to know in order to teach these people. Man, there was a whole lot of change that had to take place in my life. Because why? The need was different. Because the circumstance changed. And listen, as we go through all of these things, here is what took place for me. 1 Corinthians 3.21 says, Let no man glory in men. Let no man glory in men. See, so many times... When the trials and the tribulations and the things that face us come, it smacks us in the face and we recognize how much we rely on ourself and we rely on everybody else that is around us. God says, let no man glory in men, but that we would glory where? In him. So what may have been so easy for me to pick out a few songs and and to make it a, a spiritual event quickly changed in my world because it was no longer just me being able to be like, yeah, you know what, let's do this, this, and this, and we're good. My world changed because my needs changed. Realizing that we can't glory in ourselves, it causes us to know the need of the Lord. Jesus, think about this. Jesus didn't tell Peter to feed his sheep. And to care for his people until when? When was it? Peter had already denied Christ. Peter had already came to a place and he completely denied Christ. After that, it wasn't too long. Where was Peter? Peter went out in the middle and Peter began to weep and Peter began to be broken and Peter began to cry out. He recognized there was a change and there was a need and then Jesus met with him and then Jesus said, Hey, Peter, would you feed my sheep? Peter's need for God changed because he saw it differently in the midst of his trial. If the goal is relationship, if the goal is relationship, then to have Christ as our life, the closer we draw, the more we see the need chipped away and our need begins to grow more and more on God. I'm going to close with this. I've got a lot left in here, but I'm going to close with this thought. 
as I grow in Christ, as my relationship begins to grow, and my journey is taking its journey that it is, and I'm, I'm walking with God, and I'm sensing that God is doing things in my life, and, and I begin to do certain things, here's what happens. Moment by moment, there were things that I used to do and I did not have a problem with. That God begins to say, Aaron, you need to not, that, that's not something you need to say. Hey, Aaron, that's not something that you, maybe you shouldn't watch that any longer. And I'm not talking of heinous things that we would look at and say, oh, those are major. Oh, that's a, no, 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 no. No, I'm talking little things. Little things in our lives that God would say, hey, Aaron, there's that right there. But if you get rid of that, that'll draw me a little bit closer. Aaron, Aaron, if you would, if you see this, see this thing right here, Aaron, if you would, if you would begin to see that where six months ago, a year ago, I would do that and I might do it with you. It's not that it's a bad thing. But as God begins to change my life, I begin to see that. Why? Because my need has changed. As my relationship grows and the journey that God is bringing me on, that path, that, that what God is doing to prepare me to be conformed to His image, as all of those things are taking me through this journey, I now begin to see a different need than I ever saw before. And in my own life, I begin to see little thing after little thing after little thing where I'm like, whoa, I I need not do that anymore. Why? Because my need of the Father has changed so much more. Because I get more and more thirsty. I get more and more hungry. And if we look at God's word, um, Matthew 5, it says what? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man, my hunger and thirst for God changes the more that I draw to Him. The relationship gets closer. The relationship gets closer. That milk is still, is still good, but man, I no longer just need a little bit. I need a, I need a big old fat chunk of steak. Right? Because my walk grows and my relationship changes, I'm here. And when I'm here... My need has changed, but you know what doesn't, what also changes? I now look back at this guy over here, and I'm like, that guy over there needs some of this. Because he hasn't quite gotten to that place yet. And it's not judgmental. It's no different than Dan and I having a meeting in the office, and we'll talk, and I'll say, that guy doesn't need this. He needs discipled. He needs to grow in the foundations of God's word. And as he grows in the foundations of God's word, all of this will take care of itself. It's because I'm a little bit further in the faith, and I look back and I go, hey, there's something in that guy. Why? Because my need has changed. So I need him, but in that process, I'm seeing him over here, and my need for him has changed. Listen, there's so much, and I'll kind of do a part two next week. There's so much, and this morning, let me just ask you, if you look at the purpose, and you look at the path, and you look at the hurts, and you look at the tribulation, and you look at all of these things, and we begin to say, God, 
I, I get that you're taking me on this. I see that. I see that there was sin with Adam and Eve, and I see all of those things, and I recognize that, but maybe today was the first time. I don't think any of you have never heard that before, but you truly, it like clicked. Man, this relationship, that's for real. God did not just save you so that you could go to heaven one day. God saved you so that you could, he could walk with you, he could talk with you, he could build relationship, and he could commune with you. God's word says in John, what? That to know him is eternal life. That is to know him. That is immediate right now. When I give my life to God and I know him, I am starting that journey of eternal life. We are going to forever learn and get to know God. And it starts here. It's not here. Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to go to hell. It's that that may have been how you came to Christ, and that's fine. But it's that, and then it's understanding. Oh, man, not, now there's so much. There is so much. Listen, this is full of goodness. It's full of it. And it's just God saying, hey, Aaron, let me just show you this. Have you ever sat down with a little kid? Man, I'm sorry, I got so much. Have you ever just sat down with a little kid? just grabbed the book and was like hey let me show you this it may not be the bible but have you ever just taken a kid and like hey have you ever thought of that before maybe you've taken one of your kids and you've sat down with them and you've played a video game and you're like hey i know something that he doesn't know because i'm a little older and you're like hey try this and they do it and they're like oh that's so awesome God is doing that every single day, all day long, waiting for us to say, Oh my! I never knew that! But it starts with the relationship. And along the path, as those things come, the tribulations come, and all of that, we understand the purpose is relationship, and we say, God, I don't like this, but I know what you're doing right now, and I can just feel your arms carrying me. God, when you set me back down over here, Will you see me who else has that same need that I can go walk and help? Man, there's so much. There is so much. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.